0: Welcome to the Forthright Gaming Podcast. This is your host, Ian. I'm here with David. And this week, as we continue talking about influential games in the game industry, we're going to be talking about the Fable franchise. Now, for those of you that don't know, uh, Fable was a franchise that was made by Lionhead, right? Lionhead Studios, yep. Yeah, Lionhead Studios, which at the time, they were really only known for, I think, Black and White, which was kind of basically a god sim game on PC. I only briefly played that game. Um, but it had a lot of fun elements and and dealt with morality and whether or not you were a benevolent god or an evil god. Kind of, based off the actions you did, kind of dictated which type of god you had. Um, and then Fable kind of took it to the next level. Um, I remember watching the announcements of this because we uh, were watching like this and like Bioshock and maybe even the Halo Two trailer in your apartment with you. We were watching a bunch of announcements, and Fable was one of them. And the guy who was head of the studio, Pierre Molyneux, is the guy who hyped up this game so much that it ultimately ended up being a huge disappointment. Um, he, I remember, I don't remember the word exactly what he, what he said, but I remember him saying things like, you're going to play as a kid to an adult to an old man. You'll be able to, like, if you cut down a tree in your kid when you're an adult, that tree will still be cut down. And all of this focus on player choice. Um, which player choice wasn't necessarily a new thing when this came out either. Because the game came out in 2004. We already had uh, Knights of the Old Republic and uh, a few other games that give you player choice out there, right? This is more so uh, player morality being showcased and having a, f- a physical effect on your character based off the actions that you did. I think that's the main kind of focus that the whole Fable Franchise focused on, more so than what they kind of claim was player choice. But in watching like those trailers, the way he described this game made you think it was going to be be like a Second Life <laughs> type of game, like it would be a new reality. You could anything you could do would uh, have massive repercussions. And then when it came out, there was a bunch of stuff missing from the game. Uh, to, and it didn't deliver on any of the promises that he gave you. Basically, like Pierre Molyneux's whole thing with Fable and all his other games is that he's like a game a director who goes into an R and D studio says, "Oh, what are you guys working on? Oh, you're working on all this cool experimental tech. Yeah, I'm going to tell everybody we're going to put that in the game." And then when it comes time to do it, it's like, "Oh, actually, that didn't work out. We can't do that." <laughs> and so he was kind of like left with he said a bunch of shit. Put his foot in his mouth, and he couldn't back it up when the game came out. So, Fable One wasn't really super successful. Fable Two, that came out in 2008, uh, is definitely where it hit its stride, but it was basically giving us what he promised in Fable One uh, to a little limited to an extent. Limited at that. I mean, co op was
1: something he talked about <laughs> in the first game, came out in the second game, but even when you play co op, you can't leave, like, the, the camera. You're limited to one camera. It was almost yeah, like they it's only like... tested this on one Xbox.
0: <clears throat> or, like, they came across a problem and didn't bother to figure out how to solve it, right? It's like, hey, I have a few people. How do we solve the camera problem? Uh, well, they'll get to fight over it. And then, like, when you play with somebody, they could take control of the camera from you, and then you end up fighting back and forth over the camera, and then you would have to make sure you grouped up together more so to play the whole game. <clears throat> so... Most people with Fable 2 thought, like, all right, cool, this is what Fable 1 was supposed to be great. We have we have that game now. Fable 3 was kind of, I felt like it's like watching Rocky 3 or Rocky 4, right? It's another game in the franchise. You, re- you remember, well, the first one was, was okay, wasn't great. The second one was, did have a lot of cool stuff. This is just next next game. I might as, well, might as well try it. I don't feel like 3 offered a lot. I feel like 3 felt, again, rushed. The player choices were very binary. It was either this is the good choice, here's the bad choice uh, for everything you did. And ultimately, again, felt like they cut content and cut the game short. Um, I remember when I played the original Fable, one of the biggest disappointments in that game I felt like was um, there's literally a sword in the stone where there's a bunch of characters trying to pull the sword out. And when you try to use it, it says, hey, you're not strong enough. You need to get your strength up. But regardless, no matter how much you max out your strength in that first game, he would never be able able to pull that sword out. Then they re-released it, and then it came with the ability to actually complete that quest. Mm -hmm. Um, Stuff like that, which seems very minute nowadays, it's like, if you're going to cut something, cut it completely. Don't leave the beginning of the quest there, and then don't fall through on it. Um, Those are things I felt like probably really aggravated uh, uh, gamers out there. But, like... The thing is, like, the Fable games overall, like, it is a franchise that people are excited for, they want to see more of, because it's a third-person fantasy action game. But, in hindsight, the games seem fairly mediocre, right? I mean, you're... The one thing that they did do nicely was, instead of having to pick a class, you could jump between all three classes of warrior, archer, or mage as you go, and you can uh, basically re-hone your skills to fit either model. And depending on what you picked also uh, had an impact on what your character's physical look like was. But when you look at this game in 2021, when uh, it's a game that hasn't have any di- very little diversity in it, everybody's a white British person. Um, all the jokes and the language is very much targeted just for the British community, because like even the slang, some of the jokes are very much stuff that British people got and not Americans. Um, I think the biggest impact that this game has, and why we're talking about it, is mainly pure Maldu and the hype machine he created. Uh, this was probably the first game I at least remember hearing and hearing a uh, trailer for, and being completely disappointed by from what I saw to what I played. I don't feel like this is. I feel like his stuff is like way bigger than like the Watchdog stuff, where the game tra- the gameplay trailer they showed at E3 was on a super high res PC. And the game itself, the graphics just didn't look good. They still delivered on mechanics, and everything. Fable didn't deliver on mechanics, didn't deliver necessarily on the graphics. It gave you a, here's a third-person action story with some with where choices and morality impact your physical look, and that's it. <clears throat> um, and because of all the hype he built up on all three of his games, and even guy even worse after he got out of the console game business and just did his own, uh, got out, got away from the line and made his own company. Um, this is where the hype machine gets created and where we now, after this point, start seeing other game companies hyping up their games or, like, their game directors looking at what their R&D team was doing and it just exploding. Um, a good example of this is, like, you can look at the hype around Crackdown 3 is exactly what Fable was. They were looking at how they could do cloud computing, and everybody didn't know what cloud computing was at the time. It was just theoretical. They said, oh, "We have it, and you can do all this." And then they don't deliver on it, and that's exactly what the Fable franchise kind of felt like through this whole thing, where it was delivering on what the last game promised, and not what the, this game, what the game coming out was promising. Um, now, which games have you played, David, as far as the Fable games?
1: Uh, I played the first two. Um, I tried Journey very briefly. Um, and then,
0: and uh, Journey was a connect game, correct? Yeah, it was an on rails like <clears throat> carriage driving game. I felt like with like some magic moments that were all on rails. It's a really weird concept. Again, the weird thing is, is like Peter Molyneux was head of Lion Bridge or Lionhead. Um. And did Fable 1, which wasn't very successful. Fable 2 comes out, it's way more successful, but they're being published by Microsoft Studios. After le- either when Fable 2 is being made or right after its release, Pierre Malhu was hired by Microsoft as a Microsoft employee, not just a studio head of line uh, head. Because uh, actually when, I, when we started at Microsoft, he was right when the I think one of the Icelandic volcanoes was going off, or, the, or one of the ones in Norway. Uh, I was—he was in an elevator with me and Joe, uh, looking confused and pissed off because like he couldn't leave. He was trying to go back home, but all flights were canceled because of the volcano. Um, but he started working for Microsoft, and then Fable Three came out. I believe they ended up axing him because, not necessarily because something Fable Three was bad, but because. Um, they realize, like, you can't let this guy talk. He can't be at E3. He can't be in front of the press. He can't say stuff because he's, he'll say things he's not supposed to say. And he'll ultimately hype up something to where now his name is a joke. People will say, oh, who told you that, Molyneux? Because yeah, the guy just hypes things up and, and never comes to fruition. Well, he's a, he's a legal liability, right? Like um,
1: There's been a discussion about gamers more, more recently than ever, but Gamers suing developers about things that were promised but never delivered and how your pre-order and your purchase was, you know, eventually done on that premise alone. But with games, as you know, you can't really get a refund, right? Once you open a package of a disc, it's over. I mean, Steam, Xbox, they'll kind of let you get some leeway with a refund, but it's usually going to be like one title per year, if that. Uh, And you have to still suffice with a certain amount of under two hours, right? So there's definitely some issues when it comes to having him come out and promise things like co-op in fable one or, you know, these vast open worlds that he had kind of promised with the environment. And for the most part, I would say it's, it's fables environments were never known for being vast or wide or even being heavy on the exploration. Like you would kind of explore, but it was very much like an outdoor version of a doom map. You kind of would hop around, go from area to area, but exploration was pretty limited and he was a liability in terms of saying things and, and people being
0: disappointed with what was delivered. It's interesting you said, because like back in 2001, when this game was announced in 2004, when it came out, right, <clears throat> we were out of high school at the time, but we were still trying to find jobs, still like, you know, uh, trying to figure out education, basically living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Nowadays, everybody's like in their 30s, 40s of our of our age range, our generation. Uh, they have good jobs. They have money. If somebody tells them something's going to be, be in a product and they buy it and it's not there, like, oh, well, I have a lawyer. I'm going to call him and sue the fuck out of you. Uh, when we were kids, you're just like, well, I guess I got fucked. I <laughs> could maybe return this game for half price or for a few bucks at uh, GameStop, but otherwise I'm just screwed. And nowadays – The hype machine has gotten so bad that it's not now just, hey, here's all the stuff that we thought we could do, but we couldn't. It's just, hey, here's the game missing stuff, and then they now promise you a roadmap where they promise you, hey, we're fixing it as we go, because now they can just give you updates on the fly, right? Back when that wasn't a possibility, the game had to be done. It had to work. Now, with the internet and, and interconnectivity, we've gotten to the point where now... Everything's about what's the next update if you're gonna buy a game. that's gonna be a game as a service nowadays You might as well wait for at least six months to maybe a year for them to fix all the launch bugs And then finally have uh, extra content that they were planning on putting in in there and then buy it Uh, to the point where if you bought a game at launch now like destiny 2 and You play play it played at launch you play destiny 2 right now it's a completely different beginning in that game because they went and they changed stuff to where you don't get the same experience, which I almost have to say with games as a service like this. Now that's kind of a disservice to the customer that cool. You're expanding your game, but you're erasing past content that I'll, nobody will ever be able to play again because you're pulling it off the game to put more stuff on there. At that point, make a new fucking game. <laughs> um, or you sell me a subscription, not a get not a $60 game uh, to play in your world then. If it's going to be ever uh, ever-living, changing world that I can't go back and re-experience, then I might as well just pay you a subscription to play and not buy a $60 game to find out that, hey, a year from now, I can't play that. I can't go and restart my adventure. I have to go wherever, I, wherever I'm at, you know? Yeah, I, I think uh, a good example of that is how Blizzard
1: bl- brought back uh, the classic World of Warcraft. Um, they basically kind of reinvented the whole thing. Graphics had been done Overdu- like overhauled should I say maps had been changed and gamers kind of wanted to go back there's something about gaming when it comes to nostalgia in that it kind of um, it's kind of like having something from your childhood or something from 10 years ago for example like where it having the experience again having smelling it tasting it touching it going through the experience really brings something back kind of like playing an old console with the controller that's legitimate as opposed to like backwards compatibility right And with Peter Molyneux's titles and what he's worked on, um, I know they still talk about bringing up Black and White again and remastering it, but I I don't see that happening. But with Fable, there's still a lot of talk about bringing it back, and it's kind of tough to explain how Fable is in terms of a gaming experience, but the best I would compare it to is an iPhone initially the iphone kind of came out the gates it kind of had these advancements that kind of propelled it or put it somewhere near the top there really wasn't a lot of games like fable that gave you this rpg like experience you know there was almost like they were the original um the witcher right it was like they but but at a much lower level obviously and then as every game kind of went on you know there was these I, i would say fable 2 was probably pinnacle uh, fable gaming but then fable three comes around you're right there's a lot of stuff that got cut left on the the, the you know the, the cutting board um and then fable journey just kind of feels like some sort of cash grab for something between fable and like a little big planet or something that's yep. trying to be charming you know because i'll be honest fable one was really charming fable two was interesting but i feel like its charm wasn't as strong as the first game um, and, and then Fable 3, of course, you kind of get this mess of a game, kind of like Crackdown 2, I would say. Um, and then, you know, by the time by the time they were working on uh, the next title, which was Fable Legends, it was a bit of a, a mixed bag. But I, it's hard to say what that would have been because it never got released. We're pretty much limited to footage on YouTube. And, and I had a handful of experiences with the game when, when I was working at the Microsoft campus. But that's a pretty limited expression of going to show you like how Fable was really trying to capture on the nostalgia with each subsequent release. And I think in many ways, it didn't really capture well on it. And kind of going back to the iPhone comparison, right? It's like iPhone is now trying to have features that other phones have. Instead of being the one in the lead with new features and everybody else copying iPhone. I feel like that's kind of where Fable is in terms of a franchise where... They would really have to invent the franchise for it to be different, right? You, I don't think competing with The Witcher
0: would be good because The Witcher's a—that's a difficult game to make, right? Very, vast. yeah. <laughs> and I would say, like The Witcher is like it took the concept of Fable and did it to a did it to a thousand, right? Because Fable, like you said, it was an open world. They had the illusion open world, but they had very small zones that you go travel through from one zone to one zone to one zone as you're going through, tr- trying to go from one city to another, right? <clears throat> but um, Witcher now does that seamlessly, right? You can ride a horse all across the entire countryside and travel to different cities all in one go without any loading. Um, now, like I sa- like you said with Fable, I feel like you're absolutely right. It's the nostalgia thing, right? People have fond memories of what their excitement was and how they felt with playing Fable and Fable Two. Fable One, and Fable Two, like you said, they're charming, but I feel like they really la- kind of lacked in having a structured story. Fable three definitely had a story idea and a plot that they wanted to play out, but they obviously got cut short and it's very obvious in that game because like you'll start the game off and they'll have these beautiful environments and huge backgrounds. Like when you go into a cave system, it's this huge underground cave system. And by the time you get to the end game, everything's kind of tight and closed in because they couldn't do the massive artwork and vast uh, graphics because they got rushed to finish it. Uh, so we're told, hey, you need to get this out, you need to get this out, because we said it's going to come on this state. So which what happens to a lot of games nowadays of, hey, you have a deadline, you got to hit, so all of a sudden the end of the game gets rushed because that game goes from uh, you starting a revolution to you immediately having to fight some foreign force out of nowhere with very little time to prep and do stuff. It just feels like, okay, this is thrown in the end because they needed an ending for us. So they had no idea how, where to go from there because the real story was, the revolution that you're causing but they needed a reason for your for the antagonist to be evil and turns out like oh well, he was making a bunch of bad choices because he he needs the supplies to fight off this foreign force that's coming and after you after you take over the kingdom it's basically now go and deal with this foreign enemy that's coming um but i feel like the nostalgia aspect of it is that nowadays everybody's excited like oh cool they mentioned fable they're gonna make another fable right Again, the games were kind of unique and they were cool, but at, the, at this point, by 3 in Journey, and even Fable Legends that they were playing on doing, they weren't making anything new. They are just trying to find new ways to basically look at the world of Albion that they created. And now I feel like people have fond memories of what they felt like Fable was, so hearing that they're going to make another Fable, people are excited to find out what it is and go back to this fantasy world, right? But... unless they come up with something new something that's going to go beyond what the witcher did beyond what breath of the wild did i feel like it might end up being a big disappointment like if they just go to breath of the wild way and they clone it much like um the ubisoft phoenix uh game where it's literally just a copy and paste of every zelda mechanic in breath of the wild it's like I will refuse to play those games. It's like if you just copy and paste somebody's idea and just throw a different skin on it, it's not entertaining to play. You've, I've already had that experience. I don't want to go and hunt down 150 different shrines in order to have enough power to go through your story. It's a waste of my time to do that. Uh, so who knows what Fable is going to show. Hopefully there will be some news at E3 this year. That's one game, though. I feel like either they're going to mention it and have a bunch of stuff on it, and it might be coming out early 2022, or they won't even mention it all other than another quick teaser trailer because the game probably wasn't even in development yet when they first announced it. And they'll probably uh, just be working on it now after getting past like some uh, pre-production pre work. I think if we're lucky, it'll be developed by Rare. Um, I-, I think
1: between the charm of Viva Pinata, I think it shows that they can achieve the aesthetic that's charming, like a fable game, but I also think with some of their some of their titles in the past, it also shows that they kind of have a good idea behind how to make. I mean, um, Conqueror that was rare as well, correct? Yeah, what, it was. I want to say so. Yeah, so Conqueror is kind of in that same vein of how the, I think they can make a game with RPG elements and still have that adventure touch with good music, good characters, good charm, good art design. I think it's possible, but not in Rare's hands. I don't know if that's possible,
0: really. Honestly, I don't know, because Rare is so focused on Sea of Thieves, and yes, Sea of Thieves has vastly improved from when it launched, but I still see uh, Sea of Thieves as the huge flaw of it's an open-world game that basically people are assholes to you because that's the (laughs) gameplay of it. And like it for me, it's hard to get into a game where like if I jump into it by myself, I'm just gonna be harassed by everybody playing the game and destroying destroying me instantly. Um, and it's impossible to get for like five people to play that game together unless like all you guys do is do nothing but gaming. Most people are ages now; they play maybe games maybe once or twice a week on the weekend. They'll have like a few games of PUBG or something that they play. Um, but whether or not they're Buying new games and just trying new stuff out. Most people don't do that because, like you said, games take time and RPGs have to take a lot of time. Um, hopefully, the new Fable game will not be like um, Fable Legends because my my feel with Fable Legends is that they try to do an asymmetrical game, which was something that we used to talk about all the time. I remember we were, when we were kids, we sit there and say, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if there's a game where I get to play as the villain and you get to play as the hero, and I keep." Doing stuff to thwart you. The thing is, is that how do you make that gameplay compelling, right? You have the villain who is basically looking at a map maker and laying traps and spawning enemies. Which, if you're into doing that type of stuff, that can be really fun. But most people want the action of the hero side, who just gets to run through the, the gauntlet and kill everything, right? Um, and that's basically what Legends was supposed to be it's supposed to be. I think four on on one uh, gameplay where. The villain was there. I don't know how the maps were set up. I know the villain had a top-down view. And they would either set traps and monster spawns and put things to try and prevent you to get to, get to the end point where the team of four would, they would then go through this gauntlet and kill everything. Um, but I can see that being only fun for one end and not fun for the other side. I mean, we've seen lots of games try this mechanic and fail. Much And the most recent one I can think of is that Resident Evil Resistance multiplayer where you had the mastermind who had the map of the facility and they had the ability to plant traps and spawn enemies and then you had five people running around to defeat them. But to make the, so the mastermind is not omnipotent and God level like, they have to limit your ability to spawn stuff which makes it frustrating and not fun to play. It just did not work and the game literally had like a 30 to 40 minute tutorial which by, if your game has that long of a tutorial, you're doing it wrong. You need to find something else. Yeah, learning curves are... Pro- even Dead by
1: Daylight, again, we've we mentioned time to time, the learning curve as a killer is pretty rough, whereas a survivor, I would say it's much, much shorter, a couple rounds maybe, but as a killer, you have to play quite a few rounds to balance everything out. And yeah, I don't know. I, Fable's an interesting game because I still have nostalgia for the first one, not so much for the second one, even though I feel like its design overall is more polished. Um. It, Fable 2 was definitely the high production, high execution version of all the Fable games. And then Fable 1 was kind of like the... Everybody was motivated. Everybody had the ambition to kind of get this idea out there with limited hardware decks. We're talking original Xbox, right? They did re-release it on the 360, which is also backwards compatible on the Xbox One and Xbox
0: Series X. And um, they have a version of it now that has all the, ex- all the missing stuff in there and all the DLC in it. Yeah, it's I just a thought- Fable Anniversary Edition, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know where they're going to go with this. I mean, the only inclination we've had, like like I said, is Legends, and, and Legends, to me, wasn't a bad game. It was clearly still in beta when I got the chance to play it, and the footage of it really goes to show you that visually I think it was spot on. Um, when I've looked at gameplay footage of it, it's, it's I think the only issue I've had is it's just not very vast, right? It was supposed to be a um, a Xbox One title right and it didn't even look bigger than the xbox 360 titles environment so i feel like that was kind of some of the main points is that it kind of has to build and be grander now we have the series x where i would say the limitations aren't even your your platform so much rather than your development tools but where do we go from there like you said how are you going to compete with the witcher you'd kind of have to go in a
0: different direction yeah and the thing is is that if they're going in a different direction i want them to go somewhere new and not something we've already seen like asymmetrical gaming and stuff like that. Like you said, dead by daylight has an asymmetrical gameplay and it's very popular now. <clears throat> but when that game first came out, it was really rough. Uh, it was hard to play as a survivor. It's hard to play as a killer. Nothing was very intuitive and as because they were having to work all the bugs out of it again. Right. That's a game that should have been in development longer and then come out with a really polished game that we have now but that would have been an extra three to four years of development time for them to do that. Um, Where I can kind of understand, like when you let the public play test your game, they find so much stuff wrong with it. They find how things are unbalanced a lot faster than your development team does. Uh, And that's just because it's foreign eyes looking on something fresh and not having all the context that a developer has in their head. But like where Fable goes from here, they can't do the same game that they've been doing. I think they have to have a really good, compelling story, and <clears throat> they're going to have to have um, decent, decently large environments and and something that even if the story is going to be linear, it doesn't feel like I'm on a linear path the entire way. I mean, most of Fable 2 and Fable 3 is follow this trail from one end of the world <laughs> to the other one, and that's, what, that's where you go. Do you need to go backtrack? You can if you want, but you don't really need to you basically go from one section to the next section to the next section until you get to the end. Now, if they made a world where it's like, all right, here's this world, and everything's going to be spread all the fuck around, and you go go around, and it feels vast and it moves smoothly, <coughs> if they hit all the visual things they need to hit from the get-go, they make sure there's not a ton of bugs in it, or they're hopefully making it bu- uh, at least bug-free as possible at launch, it could be fairly successful because it will hit all that nostalgia. But as I said, like, the Fable franchise isn't an influential franchise because of the gameplay of what it was, because it's not even the only type of, th- of uh, third person action adventure game that was out. There pl- were playing other ones on the original Xbox as well as the other consoles moving forward, right? It's really this hype machine that Pierre Molyneux made and created that we now see it get uh, other developers fall into the same trap. And it's almost like if you're writing the history of gaming, there's going to be a chapter on him as far as like, this is what not to do. Don't promote the ideas you have, promote what you actually have built and is working to get people excited. If you're going to promote something that doesn't exist yet, you better make sure you get it up and running and working to some extent when you launch. Otherwise people are going to be disappointed. And like you said, these days it's a legal liability because everybody's happy to sue developers, (laughs) publishers, manufacturers for Hey, you told me this was going to have this, and it doesn't have it. Why does it not have it? Um, so you got to be extra careful nowadays. I mean, after the Fable franchise, and Peter Molyneux made some other game. He made like a mobile game called Gladys or something, I believe. Where his big thing was people who play this game, if it's at one point, if you're like the best player, they'll actually put you in a, in a game, make you a character. And I remember reading a whole article about what happened with that event, because it kind of was mentioned, and then, like, since it was a mobile game, nobody really cared. Well, somebody ended up did end did, up winning that prize and was supposed to be put into this next game they were making, and he was flown out to London or, or to England, wherever uh, Lionhead, not Lionhead, but his new studio was at, uh, was let in there, and his experience at their game studio was like, it's a shit show, dude. There, there's no direction. They have no idea what they're doing. And what they put in the game for him was, was so mediocre, I believe he ended up suing, like, hey, this wasn't what I want, wasn't what was in the prize, so, what the fuck, um, so it sounded like, where, they went, and even in that article, Peter, they interviewed Peter Molyneux, he's like, yeah, I've learned I just can't talk to the press, I just can't talk to anybody, like, don't bother interviewing me for, stuff on New, on what we're working on, because, I just need to keep my mouth shut, he can't control himself, because, not only did he hype up Fable, he hyped up the Kinect with that one Milo game that never came out, that made the Kinect sound like you're actually gonna be talking to an AI in your in your TV, and ended up never coming up to anything. I think well, I think they took that tech and they made connectables with the <laughs> pet animals, and that was where that tech went. Otherwise, the tech demo that he showed never never turned into a real game, which. That's why nowadays, I think, when we look at E3 this year, we're only going to see a lot of gameplay footage of stuff that's going to be ready to come out soon. Um, They're probably going to avoid doing a lot of... um, They've always started avoiding doing a lot of CG trailers because gamers can tell that's gameplay, that's CG, and we know we we can't trust a CG trailer because of other hype machines like Killzone. I think it was Killzone 3, right? Where they once again had a high-res gameplay session that was pre-recorded that turned out not to be what the game looked like at all. Just like Watch Dogs did the same thing. And these other game companies do do these little tricks. It's like, hey, look how great our game is. Like Colonial Marines is another one that was hyped <sighs> up. This game looks so good, looks so good. And then when you get, you find out that, well, Gearbox didn't make it. They had Sega do it. And then they just fucking hash it together like in six months. What you saw at E3 wasn't even in the game at all. It was just garbage. Um, which they ended up getting sued on that one too, I think. So, like I said, the fable games themselves are kind of a kind of a cool and a niche like fantasy world. But I think people have a have a nostalgia for the game that never really existed. It's just what we thought hoped it to be, because when you go back you play them like those games don't deliver at all what you think they should deliver on. But you have this memory of it, like, hey, this game did deliver on this. Or this game was going to be magical and awesome. And then it's like, yeah, but it's lacking here and here. And, like, I feel like that whole franchise lives off of nostalgia and not off of, like, hey, here's a really good game you should definitely play. Because I would say in the library of games to play is fable. If you want to play fable, yeah, you can play it. But I'm, it's not going to be at the top of my list of a fantasy RPG to tell somebody to go play. I mean, I feel like there's lots of other games you did that genre better or added better mechanics to it. I think honestly I think like Overlord's a better game than Fable.
1: <laughs> I wasn't a fan of Overlord, but that's a gameplay decision. I thought I thought yeah. the game design was pretty well, but I mean, if anybody was listening to this that is involved in fable development or in the pitching of idea, I, I personally think that you're at a point where if you're gonna compete on a technical level, you have to be in that top one percent and that's just too expensive. I would take it back down to basics like Fable 1 was and kind of make it something in between like uh, like the Fable universe, right? Like that fairy tale universe, but make it something more akin to BioShock, right? Where you have maybe a first-person perspective as opposed to third-person, right? So people are more in the character. And you have this world that's basically been corrupted by, like, a dark wizard or dark witch, and you have to cleanse it similar to Bioshock. So you kind of have this dark tinge, and then you clean it out, and then it kind of comes to life again. I guess that's kind of more like Saboteur, if you ever played that yep. game where— or- You kind of clean, everything's black and white, you clean out an area, and then color kind of comes back into the territory. I think that's something that I personally would would be great to see out of a new Fable game. Because I feel like that would really both bring new life into the, the, the game industry, as well as to the franchise. I just don't know if, how long would it take to really envision that, build a story around it. I don't know, but I'm just thinking visually, it's appealing. I think you can keep the charm in there. You can make nods to various fairy tales, you know, in the past. Because that's really what Fable is. It's kind of just a nod to a fable of, you know, which is, you know, yep. fables and things of that nature. And if they could just achieve even a modicum of that, I think they could have great success if they just don't worry about it. I mean, I think Fable Legends, the biggest mistake was it was free to play. How can you monetize a game that that kind of plays the way it did, right? Looking at the footage, you go up, look up YouTube Fable Legends first hour gameplay. There's not a really strong business method behind how that makes money. And I could see why Microsoft sought to shutter Lionhead after that. But after, after that, where do you go? I think my idea is one option on the table. But that's just me thinking what I would want to see as both as a fan, but also somebody looking for something different. A lot of games today are kind of the same. You know, they kind of suffer from that symptom and... I think Fable's going to have great success only if it veers away from things that are expected.
0: Yeah, and, the, and it's funny that you say that, yeah, tr- trying to do that new concept, the new idea, it costs a lot of money. Well, like we said in our Game Pass episode, is that Microsoft is now in a position where they have a $2.4 billion a year subscription service that just generates money for making games and they've designed a development process of hey look we got money we're going to pay you for all your development costs make make a game and people now have the board the freedom of being able to make a game especially if you work at microsoft based off of the ideas you have and not off of hey how do i monetize this so this makes money when you have to monetize a game you have to think about monetization it turns it instead of being about a fun adventure or story you're telling into. How can I get the cons- get the consumer to spend more money? And as we've seen with all the games nowadays that do this, those games always get slammed for that feature. They get slammed because they have too much of it or because it's aggressive or because they make things too hard or too tedious to do, so they want you to try and force you to buy shortcuts. Those make bad games. I think, like you said, Fable was like the satire of fairy tales, and we all have fond memories of fairy tales, and that's why Fable it's such a nostalgic type of type of title and if they go the right way with it it could revitalize it and make it a new a, kind of like a new updated franchise for the new consoles that we're getting because honestly with the tech that we're getting with this new gen this current generation with the ray tracing the 60 frames a second visuals um you finally see a real difference and I feel I feel like I'm watching some games now that's like wow, this game actually does look better and more realistic. And I'll say like one of the first games I saw that on was the Mass Effect Legendary Edition where, wow, I see that this thing's casting a shadow on its character and the character's moving and you can see how the shadow dances on their faces because of it. It's like, wow, most games don't have that and it and it doesn't feel as real. This does. Or the super uh realistic reflections we get with ray tracing now can make things look really realistic to the point where I feel like I finally seeing the next level of gaming graphics where back in 2001 and uh to, like 2001 and like 2008 we saw a lot of games come out where it's like oh wow this is really cool and new and then we hit a, a point of stagnation where everybody just like copied their models and made them a little bit clearer, made it a little bit sharper. They didn't push the envelope anymore. I feel like we can now push the envelope uh with new titles. So hopefully this E3 If they have anything on fable they'll show us some really cool visuals and some gameplay and maybe they go your route and have a really cool uh idea that can revitalize it um but basically those are my thoughts on fable do you have any closing thoughts on it
1: uh the only thing i would say is if you're interested in playing the games and you haven't played them i would check out footage of the first two the second one is explicitly more fun to some extent because of its co-op elements um but it is somewhat frustrating at the same time so bear in mind but i i've personally found the approachability of the first fable to be good and the second fable is, is decent as well um and you can get them pretty cheap and they i believe all three are on game pass as well yeah they are
0: extremely cheap um games are very affordable check them out see what you think um this is a franchise that will be remembered maybe more for the nostalgia factor of what we wo- what we all hoped to get to get out of them that we didn't um, but also definitely before, as we said, the hype train that it created and how we've seen other people just jump on the same thing. I think the very next person who's very much like Pierre Molyneux was the guy at Hello Games who made um, No Man's Sky. He mentioned a bunch of stuff that they were working on that had, that didn't come out until basically 2021. Uh, so that's at least their game came out in a time frame where they could just keep updating it and fix it and not say, well sorry, here's the game. You're stuck with this empty universe. They were actually able to update the game and fix it for people who bought it. Um, So, that's what this industry has kind of learned from the lessons of Pierre Molyneux and Fable and so on. Um, But, that pretty much wraps up our show for this week. Uh, Again, I'm your host, Ian. With me, here's David. Uh, You can find us on forthrightgaming.com and catch our our podcast on Uh, Podbean, Amazon, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you normally find a podcast, you should usually find the Forthright Gaming Podcast. And you can catch us streaming games uh, on Twitch. uh, You can find me at found at the end on Twitch and also on forthrightgaming.com. We have a direct link to our Twitch channel there too. So if you're ever streaming, you'll catch us there as well. So thank you for listening and we'll see you later. Have a good one.